0: This is a squiz podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines, and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP.
1: Good morning. I'm Alex Ty.
0: And I'm Alice Dempster.
1: It's Tuesday, the 5th of December. In your squiz today war comes to gaza's south farewell to peter murphy shareholders won't be selling origin energy and a lucky escape from an explosive garden ornament this is your squiz today we talked yesterday about the resumption of the war in gaza and now it's becoming clear that israel is planning on launching a full-scale assault against the south of that territory In fact, the Israel Defence Forces have warned their next moves against Hamas will be of, quote, no less strength than they were in the north of Gaza last month.
0: So the context behind that, Alex, is that the north of Gaza was bombarded last month because that's where Israel's forces thought Hamas had its base. And to prepare for that, Israel had ordered Palestinians to evacuate to the south of the Gaza Strip. Now, though, the Israeli army is directing evacuations from parts of the south to what they've called safer areas. And one area that they say is safer is the southern city of Rafah. You might remember that's where the border crossing to Egypt is. But one Palestinian man says that the evacuation is nonsense because people were injured in Rafah on Friday when strikes hit there.
1: And to get into some of the numbers, Alice, a United Nations report says that 60% of the territory's housing has now been partially damaged or completely flattened. And the Hamas-run government in Gaza says that more than 700 Palestinians have been killed since the ceasefire ended. And while we're talking about war, there are also accusations of war crimes in Ukraine.
0: Yeah, that's right. Ukrainian prosecutors say they have footage of Russian soldiers killing two unarmed Ukrainian prisoners of war. They've called that a gross violation of the laws of warfare. The Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, also says that Russian shelling is intensifying in the east of the country, and the southern port city of Kherson is being hit particularly hard. A couple of related diplomatic visits are also happening this week. One of those is that the newly minted UK Foreign Secretary, David Cameron, is headed for Washington, DC. He'll talk about support for Ukraine with the US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, while he's there.
1: Also on the move this week is the President of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, who is one of Russia's key allies, and he is in China this week for talks with President Xi Jinping. Federal Labor MP Peter Murphy has died of breast cancer after a long illness. She was 50 years old and her death was confirmed yesterday by Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. And just in case any squizzers haven't heard of her, why don't you tell us about her, Alice?
0: So, Peter was the member for Dunkley. That's a seat located on Melbourne's Mornington Peninsula. And she was first elected in 2019 after her first run ended in defeat in 2016. It's an area that had a Liberal MP since 1996. During her relatively short time in the federal parliament, though, Peter did make an impact, and particularly in the area of gambling reform. She was considered a bit of a powerhouse, so it was a shock when Albanese confirmed that news yesterday. She was originally diagnosed with breast cancer in 2011, and just as she was getting ready to be sworn in as an MP in 2019, she confirmed that the cancer was back.
1: Yesterday in his announcement, Albanese highlighted Peter Murphy's strength, noting that she travelled to Canberra just last week for a breast cancer event and said that his government was broken hearted. And on Instagram, her family said she died the way she lived, with dignity and strength and a touch of sarcasm to boot. Alice, energy nerds and business fans will know that for the past year, Origin Energy has been facing a takeover bid from a consortium of Canadian and American investors. Yesterday, that bid was put to Origin shareholders and they voted it down.
0: Yeah, that happened at a shareholder meeting in Sydney yesterday. And just to explain it a little bit, the takeover bid needed 75% of voting shareholders to agree to it it fell short of that with only 66.97 voting in favour. The main spoiler was Australian Super, which is a superannuation firm that has a 17% stake in Origin. They voted against the bid and that made it really hard for the overseas consortium to succeed.
1: And let's go one step further back, Alice, and talk about the competing narratives as to why the Canadians and Americans were bidding for Origin Energy in the first place. They say they were going to put 20 to 30 billion into speeding up origin's transition to renewables but the former prime minister paul keating described it as a get rich quick scheme by a quote profiteering private equity fund now that bid has been defeated it remains to be seen whether they'll pack it up or have another go If you're a sports lover, spare a thought for the Commonwealth Games, which were, of (laughs) course, rejected from Victoria earlier this year. And yesterday, Alice, we heard the news that the Gold Coast will no longer be bidding to be the replacement host for those 2026 games.
0: Yeah, the Gold Coast was where the 2018 Games were held and its mayor, Tom Tate, was all in on a bid for the 2026 Games. But Queensland and the federal government had made it clear that they weren't going to stump up the cash required to make it work. So Tate admitted defeat yesterday. The chief executive of the Games in Australia is a man named Craig Phillips, and he thanked Tate for his efforts. He also said that conversations continue on four continents, including here at home, about whether the 2026 Games will go ahead.
1: So sports fans are left in the lurch. And if you're out there just waiting to see a few rounds of competitive squash or international lawn bowls, you're going to have to wait for a little bit longer. (laughs) Alice, we simply need to mention the Welsh couple who found out last week that they'd been living with a 100-year-old live bomb in their garden.
0: Yeah, this is an early contender for my favourite story of the week, Alex. <laughs> so the Edwards couple said that the missile had always been in their garden as a decorative ornament, and Sean Edwards even said that she used to clean her trowel by banging it against the bomb. That was all well and good for decades until a police officer spotted the bomb last week and phoned it in with the Ministry of Defence. They then sent out a bomb disposal squad and the squad took it away for tests. They discovered that the bomb did still have a live charge in it, so they buried it and performed what they called an explosive demolition.
1: (laughs) The Edwards were shocked about this turn of events, of course. But then they also got a little bit sentimental about their former garden ornament. <laughs> Jeffrey Edwards said the bomb was an old friend. I'm so sorry that the poor old thing was blown to pieces. Spare a thought for it. Better it than you, Jeffrey. <laughs> Squiz the day, and Alice, just first up, a little bit of housekeeping. Squizzes might have noticed that there's an episode of Shortcuts in the Squiz Today feed this morning. That is because we're putting Squiz Today and Shortcuts into the one feed. They are companion podcasts when it comes to unpacking the news, so it makes sense for us to put them together so it is easier for you to find. From now on, you can get your shortcuts, the backstories to the big news stories right here in this very feed. And for this week's episode, we've got a look back at the economic twists and turns of 2023 and a look forward at what we can expect in 2024.
0: Yeah, and that is excellent timing to have a listen today because the Reserve Bank is due to announce its final rates decision of the year at 2.30pm this afternoon. So, good one, Alex.
1: And that is it for us. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week